Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and they grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Well, good morning again. How's everybody this morning? Good, absolutely. Uh, my name is Brandon Weaver. If any of you have come in late, I am our Lake Worth campus pastor, and I have the joy and the privilege uh, to be teaching and preaching with you this morning. As we said earlier, Pastor Jose, uh, he is away on a much-needed vacation. He's getting his home prepped uh, for their little baby boy that's about to be born. And so uh, I just love working at a church that values a family, and we want to put that above our work. And so, so glad to be here. He told me, hey, don't suck it up, okay? I know I'm gone for a week. But I'm going to be back. So that's my, my job, is I'm going to try and do my best here. And um, as we begin our time together, I just want uh, to say we celebrated a really great national holiday this past week, Veterans Day. And uh, if you've served our country, yeah, if you've served our country in any capacity, would you please stand? And can we honor these people among us here this morning? Absolutely. Thank you for your service. Thank you for your sacrifice. Uh, It's the reason we get to be here this morning without persecution, and we are just so grateful for you. Uh, Thank you so much. And uh, I want to go ahead and encourage you, uh, grab your Bible, grab your notes, open up the Community of Hope app. We're going to jump into our time this morning. Uh, We are in a very important series this week titled Deep Peace. And I find it uh, absolutely so applicable to my life. Uh, We began this series uh, talking about kind of the enemies that steal our peace. And two weeks ago, we talked about fear, when fear is basically a future uh, way of looking at our, um, our, our anxiety. Uh, last week, we looked at worry, how that can be an enemy of stealing our deep peace. And this week, we're looking at anxiety. And anxiety, we want to kind of define that as an inner peace that we would find. And my anxiety rose up this morning because I didn't know Pastor Dale was going to be coming this morning. <laughs> And as soon as I saw him, I was like, oh no, how applicable. And so this morning, we're, we're looking uh, today at this idea of having deep peace in the midst of a world that is filled with anxiety, with worry, and with fear. And I want us to read together our theme verse uh, that, we ke- that we really came as a teaching team that led us uh, to this idea of understanding God's deep peace. And this is Isaiah 26, uh, verse 3. Let's read it together. Ready? Go, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Amen. We are looking at how is it that we can be in a culture that is filled with anxiety? How are we able to have this deep inner peace? And I want to define peace for you this morning so that way we have an idea of what I'm talking about. I would define it this way, that peace is not the absence of conflict or anxiety in our lives. But peace is the presence of God in the midst of our trouble. Jesus tells us in his gospel that we would have trouble but to fear not for he has overcome the world. Peace is not the absence of trouble in our life, but it's the presence of God in our life as we go through trials and through troubles. Uh, One of the things I love, I'm kind of a nerd and I love to research about different topics. And so when we were looking at this topic of anxiety, which I know well, because it's something that I experience, 
Uh, I love to look at how are we culturally in the West and as Americans, how are we kind of dealing with this right now in our current time? And so I want to share with you some of my findings that I find fascinating and incredibly challenging. There was a recent study in July 2019 that said 8.2% of adults were diagnosed with what what would be termed as an anxiety disorder of some kind. And yet a year later, July 2021, that number had risen to 36%. So we're talking an increase of over four times in two years. We're talking roughly one in four adults are struggling with anxiety. It's good to know I'm not alone in this room. Some other things that I found that were absolutely interesting is that Americans have more than doubled their spending on anxiety medication. Xanax alone has doubled in the last year in their sales. And this doesn't just affect adults, but children as well. More than 25% of children between the ages of 13 and 18 struggle with an anxiety disorder. That is one in four. And the average child today has the same level of anxiety as the average psychiatric patient did in the 1950s. I mean, culturally, what are we going through? Houston, we have a problem. And so this morning, we're going to be looking at what does Scripture say? How can it speak into this season, into this culture that is filled with anxious thoughts? And I can remember as a young boy kind of this point in my life where, where I became an anxious person. I was in the second grade. I was in Mr. Sycamore's class, and I was going to Cypress Trails Elementary School in Royal Palm Beach. My mother was an elementary school teacher, and so I felt really comfortable at school. I knew the teachers. I knew the lunch ladies. I felt super comfortable. And that day, my mom had told me, we're going to be doing this code red drill. Don't worry, it's just a drill. She was kind of preparing me. And if you don't know what that is, that's basically if an intruder were to come on campus, you know, you find your little hiding space under your desk, and, you know, you basically not study for 20 minutes. It's awesome. And so I remember being in Mr. Sigma's class, and we do the code red drill, and there was an outside door to his class and an inside door. The outside door goes out to the parking lot, into the grass, and the inside into the hallway. And so we get in our hiding space under the desk and we're seeing who's got what for lunch and who's got the best snacks. And we start to hear the outside door opening. And Mr. Sycamore runs to the outside door and there is this pulling match that's happening. And as these second graders, we do what second graders do and we start screaming at the top of our lungs. (laughs) I mean, we were losing our minds thinking someone is coming to get us. And later we realized it was the administration coming to see if everybody was doing their protocol and locking the doors. But I remember after that point, you know, this place that I thought was safe, this place where I knew people, where I felt connected, all of a sudden, I mean, my world was shattered and I was filled with anxiety because I began to question, are these places I thought safe, are are they still safe? Maybe you've had a moment like that where you're, man, is, is this world safe anymore? And so I feel like we all can relate on what it means to have these anxious thoughts. And I want to say a disclaimer too about anxiety. It's a complex subject. And I would say, too, if this is something that you have been struggling with for a while, we understand that it comes from emotional, psychological, situational, and even spiritual places. And so we want to say it is wise to seek both mental and medical help if you need. Uh, We here view the medical community as a grace and as a gift from God. And so feel no shame if this is something that you struggle with. This is something that when I wake up every morning, I kind of have a baseline level of anxiety. That's my native tongue. And so when I was preparing this sermon, it's as I'm preaching to myself, I want you to know that. And the verse of scripture we're in this morning is Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there, and if not, it will be on the screen. And this is what Paul is saying to us. 
Rejoice in the Lord always, I say again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the peace of God will be with you. Will you pray with me? Lord, I'm so grateful that you are here with us. Lord, that we can have peace in the midst of our troubles and of our anxiety. That, Lord, you might not take us out of it, but you will walk through us with them. And so, God, I pray that your spirit would be felt in here new and afresh. Lord, that those who are far from you, who have not experienced your peace, may this be the first time. Lord Jesus, we pray this in your name. Amen. And to give you a little context, a little background about uh, the writer, Paul is writing to this church in Philippi. Uh, They are struggling. uh, They are having anxiety and worries about what is happening. And so Paul is encouraging them. This letter is just filled with encouragement and with joy. And Paul, he's in a Roman prison waiting his execution. And he is pinning these words. I find it ironic that he is in this terrible situation, yet he's saying for us to rejoice and that we can have peace. And we think this is around 62 AD and the people are needing a good word. And I would say in 2021, we are needing a good word. And so Paul is describing for us how we are to have peace. I love how he says in in verse seven, peace that transcends our understanding. This is an experiential peace. This isn't just a peace that we have cognitively, but it is something that we experience. And if you have experienced that peace before, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And if you haven't, you're in the right place. For the Lord is with us, and I'm hoping you will be able to experience it new and fresh today. But what I noticed about this text is really Paul is giving us the uh, equation to how we get out of anxiety if we find ourselves in it. And I love how he says it. It's really, this is God's way out that Paul would say for us this morning. It is to look, it is to replace, to tell, and to guard. To look, to replace, to tell, and to guard. I love how he starts verse four. It almost seems like he's giving us a command that seems impossible to follow. To rejoice in the Lord always, I say it again, rejoice. Because if you're an anxious person like me, what's really not helpful is someone says, well, just don't be anxious. Well, thanks. Only if it was that easy, right? It's like when you have a bad attitude and they tell you, have a better attitude. Tell me something I don't know, you know? So is Paul being mean here? I mean, is he giving us a command that we really can't live out or is there something deeper? Or does Paul understand how we can put our faith in action that leads to a deep sense of peace? And I think what he's saying is we are to look for the good among our trials and among our tribulations. What I think Paul is kind of pointing at is this idea of what are we focusing on when we are feeling anxious, when we begin to have these anxious thoughts? Are we being self-focused? And if we are, Paul is saying we need to turn our gaze onto something else, the goodness of God. And I remember when the pandemic first started about 18, 20 months ago, depending on who you asked. And Haley and I, we were living in Kentucky at the time. 
Uh, we were 30 minutes south of Wilmore in this 30 minutes south of Lexington, rather, in a town called Wilmore. It's kind of like Mayberry. It's this perfect little town. It has two stoplights, three restaurants. It's just, it's bliss. And um, I, I loved uh, living there. Haley, uh, she worked at Asbury University. Uh, she was a resident director, uh, which means uh, she was in charge of the upperclassmen, men and women's dorms. And so she was in charge of all of these uh, college students. And we lived on the bottom floor of one of these male dorms. Rodney was our upstairs neighbor. I'm so glad Rodney is no longer my upstairs neighbor. He was an aspiring trombone player. Aspiring, okay, key word. At 2 a.m., he would not inspire me at all. And uh, this was the community we were living in. And, you know, we started hearing about COVID-19 and, and, you know, we were getting a little nervous, but, you know, maybe it's like the flu, like all of you, you know, we had no idea. But then in Kentucky, all of a sudden, all these universities started sending their students home and they started closing. And I thought, uh-oh, I mean, Haley's job is the place where we live. If there is no students, there is no job. And so we began to ask the question as I was being filled with anxiety of all the uncertainty that was happening. I mean, do we have a job at the end of this? Are we shutting down? Are, are we sending the kids away? How does this work? And eventually the university did shut down. They sent the students home, but Haley was in charge of making sure all the international students who couldn't go to their home country, she took care of them. So praise the Lord, we kept the job. We were able to live there and the, and the Lord provided. But what I learned in that season is that, man, I needed some good news. I don't know about you, but when I turned on the radio and I turned on the news, it was like, what chapter of Revelation is coming? You know, I mean, it just seemed like the world was on fire. And I remember going outside in a small little town, walking around and thinking, all right, this isn't, this isn't too bad. I needed to turn my gaze onto something good. And I came into this YouTube video. There's this uh, actor named John Krasinski, and we have a picture of him. And he started doing this like impromptu uh, news service at his house. And it was called Some Good News. And what he did during the pandemic is uh, he had one of his childs. You can see they just drew this poster and he would just recite all of these stories of good things that were actually happening during the pandemic. And it was like a breath of fresh air. And I remember watching this and thinking, man, John Krasinski, he's pointing at this deep spiritual truth that when we focus on ourselves and our problems and when we're consumed by them, we can see no good. And Paul is saying, we are to look for the good. We're not to say that our lives are perfect, that our lives are going to be without trouble, but there is something greater. Paul is saying we are to look for the good. And the next thing he says is we are to replace our anxious thinking with prayer. So we are to look for the good and we are to replace our anxious thinking with prayer. Verse 6, he says this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And if you're taking notes, I want you to underline and circle prayer and petition. Paul is understanding not only are we to look for the good, but we are to go to God in prayer and petition. The word petition simply means a specific request. So we are to go to God with a specific request. The the Lord wants all of us. He wants the real you. He doesn't want the fake you, right? You can pray for world peace, but he wants to know what's stealing your peace. And he wants you to be specific. And as someone, as I've shared, who struggles with anxiety, this was pivotal for me and understanding and having a deeper sense of God's peace in my life. I remember uh, when Haley and I first got married, it was about four years ago. Some days it feels like 40. And 
That was a good thing. Okay, relax, cynical people. And as we got married, I'm recovering. She started to realize that I became an anxious person, uh, that I might not look it, I might not have an anxious presence, but I'm kind of like a duck. You ever seen a duck who's swimming like up top, beautiful, serene, and they're kicking for their life under the water, okay? That's kind of how I am. And she started to realize that, that I have a look. You, you ever had a look? You know, your spouse say you have a look? And so I have an anxious look. And she would begin to ask me, what, what are you anxious about? And she would make me say it out loud. And what I realized over this process is when I would verbalize what it is that I'm anxious about, it kind of just took the power right out of the anxiety. It's like I let the air out of the balloon. Because I do what I call like a doom spiraling loop. You ever done one of those? It's basically where you think of something really great, like I really want to get a dog. And if I got the dog, then we have to feed the dog. And then our children would know what a dog is, but then the dog would die. And I would have to tell them about death and that, and that mommy and daddy are going to die, right? And it's a, it's a death loop. This is what goes on in my mind, okay? And it's just, it's how I'm wired, okay? I don't know why you did this, Lord, but you did. And so she would see me in these death loops of just spiraling. And she would just say, what is it? And when I would begin to say, well, I'm thinking about this, you know, I'm feeling anxious about our launch team. I'm feeling anxious about schooling and being a good student. I'm feeling anxious about being a good husband in the season. And, and she would just say, do you really think that's true? No, no I, I really don't think that's true. And do you really think you're a bad student? Not really. I have A's. And she's like, what are you doing? And she just helps me be able to deal with my anxiety. And what she's doing is she's replacing the story with a greater story. Because what you and I know is that what we repeat, we will believe. That if I am in repeat in my mind without telling God through prayer and petition and telling others of what it is, the story that I'm believing so I can get a greater story, I will begin to believe it. So, I mean, what is the story that's going on in your mind? I mean, do you feel like you're not a good enough parent? Do you feel like you struggle with your grandkids? Are you struggling with the lack of independence because of your health? I mean, where are you? What is the area that is stealing your peace? And how can you begin to replace that with a better story? Paul is saying not only we're to look for the good, but we are to tell God specifically what it is that we want. We are to go with him in prayer and petition, say, God, I don't like how this is going. Lord, you said you were with me, so this isn't my problem. This is our problem. Lord Jesus, help. Something I've been doing this week is at my desk, I've just been laying all these things before God and said, Lord, you said you're with me. Let's get to it. I need your help. I can't do this alone. And you know what? The Lord has been answering those prayers. Not in my timing, not the way that I thought, but he is with me and he is walking with me through those things. And so I encourage you, if you're someone who struggles with anxiety, not only tell it to the Lord, tell him specifically what you want but also bring others into it. Have someone like I do, like my wife, who can call out those stories that you're believing that are lies. Because what I read in Luke chapter four is that Satan is the father of lies. His native language is lies. And so you and I, when Paul is saying we are to guard our hearts and our minds in in verse seven, it's because we have an enemy who is gonna sow lies and deceit into our minds. We need to guard ourselves. Paul is saying be specific. Tell God what it is you want. And I would recommend if you're not someone to speak out loud, write it down on a journal, but get it out of your head and let the Lord tell you a better 
and more welcoming story. And I love how Paul wants us to be wise. Because he continues in verse 8. He says, basically, choose what you put into your mind. So not only can God take away our anxiety when we go to him and we look for the good through prayer and petition, bringing to him specifically what it is that we want, but we have to be wise. And this is what he says in verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So what's Paul saying? He's saying, if you are an anxious person, you probably shouldn't go and you probably shouldn't be watching horror films on repeat, right? If I were to do that, that is going to steal my peace. Paul is saying, be wise, have a healthy mental diet. He's saying, be self-aware enough to know what it is that steals your peace and guard yourself from those things. Is it the television that you're watching? Is it the news that you're listening to? Is the movies that you are consuming? I mean, what is it that is stealing your peace? Because a lie from Satan would, would be this. You're not going to be affected by that. No, you, you can watch that. That's, that's not going to affect you. Yeah, you can listen to that person. That, that's just fine. Paul is saying, we need to be wise. We need to be on guard. For we have an enemy who does not want us to be filled with God's peace and his presence. But the exact opposite. We are to have a healthy mental diet. When I was thinking this idea of guard, I started taking a martial arts class. It's called Krav Maga. And one of the drills that we'll do is they'll have you stand there and you close your eyes and they blindfold you and then they will randomly attack you. And then you have to do the movements to to guard yourself. And I think this is the idea that Paul is saying that we are to be on guard for every situation, that we are to know what it is that steals our joy and our peace and to not put ourselves, if possible, into those circumstances. And I love how he ends it in verse 9. I almost read it as if Paul's a little sarcastic. He says, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen me, put it into practice. Paul is saying, If I've done anything at all that is good for you to be able to repeat, please do. Paul is saying, Not only is this good to cognitively know, but it's something that we are to experience, to put our faith into action, to give our faith hands and feet. And the result is what? And the God of peace, and the God of peace will be with you. And I love how he kind of gives us this outline. When we are to look for the good, that when we are in situations that are overwhelming, that we're being plagued by anxious thoughts, that we are to stop and we are to go to God with a heart of gratitude. And then we are to go to God with prayer and petition. But not only God, we are to invite others in and say, hey, this, this is really stealing my joy. Hey, is this true about me and my character? Do you really believe this? And we're to get outside of our minds. And then we are to guard ourselves. We're to have a healthy mental diet about what it is you and I consume as followers of Christ. And when I read this, it, it reminded me of 1 Peter 5, 7. It says this, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. I love how the Lord tells us to bring our anxieties to him. I don't know about you, but I grew up in a fishing family. Uh, My dad, my brother, they loved to fish, and my brother's eight years older than I am, and so I'd always kind of tag along, and I remember being on our little metal John boat, and we'd be going to fish, and casting, it's, it's something that takes a lot of time to get good at. 
It's the, it's the motion that when you throw the lure, you're basically trying to go where the fish is. And I remember as a kid, I'm, I'm trying to learn to cast and I'm getting caught on things and I'm snagging tree branches and I'm catching on my clothing. And, you know, my dad, my brother just over there, you know, just they look so effortless. And, and I, I feel when I read this passage, this idea of casting our cares before God, I feel like we handle our anxiety and we kind of just, we cast it like this. Yeah. And it's like this little passive, we barely just kind of drop it and, and we look at it and we, we kind of kick our anxiety a little bit and what worries us. And, and then we want control and we, we pick our anxiety back up and we try to do it alone and by ourselves again and we're unsatisfied. And this passive scripture, the Lord is saying, cast your cares upon the Lord. He's saying to throw it to him. He is saying, I am good. I am here for you. I go with you. Will you trust me? Or are you going to try and do it alone? Are you going to be having a life that is riddled with anxiety that you're keeping to yourself? Or will you give it to your good father who loves you? Are you going to cast your cares on him? And so I want to invite the band up this morning because I want us to be able to practice what Paul is saying, to put into practice casting our cares upon him. And so what we're going to do in the next few moments is I'm going to open up the altar and we're going to have the band playing music. And I would encourage us to come this way before we go that way, because what I know is that we need to cast our cares on the Lord. I mean, this is the moment where we go, God, I am unhappy with the way this is going. You said you were for me, that you were not against me. Help me. And know that God isn't this vending machine that if we pray the right prayers and we press the right buttons that we're going to get exactly what we want. But what we do have is a promise from God that a peace that will transcend our understanding, transcend our circumstances. And I stand before you not as a salesman, but as a satisfied customer that the only way I've been able to deal with my anxiety is by casting my cares upon the Lord. For he is good and his burden is light and his yoke is easy. And so I come before him morning after morning when I wake up every day with anxiety right below the surface and say, Lord, only you, only by your power, only by your spirit. And so we're going to be practicing that this morning. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I pray for my brothers and sisters in this room who are struggling with anxiety, that we live in a culture that is swimming with fear and worry and anxious thoughts. And Lord, those things are not from you. And so Lord, we rebuke them in the name of Jesus. And God, I pray for the brothers and sisters in here who, Lord, who are waking up every day like me, struggling with anxious thoughts. Lord Jesus, would they have the courage to come and cast their cares before you, for you are good and you promise to be with us. And so Jesus, I pray we would open our hearts and our minds to the things that are of God and would we focus and center our lives on those things and block out everything else. Lord Jesus, we ask this in your name. Amen. Would you receive this benediction? Rejoice in the Lord always, I say again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Lord, I pray for those of us who have casted our cares. Would you come and would we experience your peace, Lord, peace over even me. 
And Lord God, as we leave this room, we would know we don't leave alone, but we leave with you by our side and with this community of like-minded believers who are partnering with you, Lord Jesus. And I pray for those who have not cast their cares, Lord, who are holding on to them, would you help them release it? Would you work on their hearts, Lord, as you work on all of ours? God, would we go from this place filled with your spirit, filled with your hope, and filled with your peace? And all of God's people said, amen. Go in God's peace, and we'll see you next week.